there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, he's an Olympian in healing. Dr. Rashabitar doing advanced medicine with us as he does each and every week. Links are up in the show notes for robertscabbell.com. Dr. Bittar, uh is there Olympics happening anywhere? I mean, we've, we've been watching, and Michael Phelps has introduced the world to cupping. I don't know if you saw that, the, the concept of heating a, a glass and you put it on the skin. Have you ever seen that? It pulls the, draws the skin and the blood and the lymph in there? Yeah, I've actually heard about cupping, um, and I did not know that Michael Phelps introduced the world to it. I didn't realize that uh, he was doing it. What capacity? I, I don't know about it. Fill me in. Yeah, yeah. If you if you get to see him, you'll see these like big marks, round marks on his shoulder and back. People are saying, "What is that? A new tattoo? What's going on?" Turns out he's you know 31. He's still got another. He got his 19th gold medal yesterday, and uh, he says, "You know, it takes me a little bit to become more a little more creative to recover at 31 than it did at 21." And so he's you know been very open to other things and. Uh, we talked about the belief in natural medicine and healing, and he's obviously adopted forms of more Eastern-type healing methods for recovery after his races, and that includes cupping. Wow. Well, cupping is something that um, is phenomenal to get the lymphatics moving. Uh, so stagnation of the lymphatics is one of the biggest problems in cancer, as you know, mm-hmm. but it's also one of the biggest problems when people have uh, been involved with uh, extreme levels of exercise. So the uh, lactic acid and all the other byproducts of metabolism get locked up inside the muscle tissue. And so if you can stimulate the movement um, of that, that's basically think of massage. You know, you're massaging, relaxing the muscle. So cupping is another form. It's different, obviously, than the massage. It's not physical manipulation, but it's more using suction and using um, the lymphatic flow. And it's right. basically... Um, moves everything and gets it uh, in, into the uh, get, gets the waste product out faster. Essentially, is, is what it does. Exactly. By doing so, yeah, it gets everything moving better. And so that's pretty impressive that he's actually. I mean, doing it is one thing, but to tell the whole world about it, that's another phenomenal thing. Yeah, he he, he, will... he couldn't hide it because it was so obvious. They were all asking him, and and I wonder at this point in his career, he's so beyond it. Nineteen gold medals. No one's even come close to the world's most decorated Olympic athlete. If he's worried about losing sponsors over it, he doesn't. He's like probably at this point, he's like, doesn't matter. I've already achieved it. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's not worried about losing sponsors at all. Um, yeah. But the nice thing is that he's talking about these types of uh, non-conventional modalities that anybody that's been to that level. I mean, you know, we've talked about the Queen of England, for example, getting chelation therapy, and we've talked about some very well-known people that have been doing many things that most people don't know about. I think we talked about. Maybe four or five years ago, we talked about on the show how um, what was the name of the, the, the Tom Hanks? I said Tom Hanks. I lost right. the name for a second, but Tom Hanks was on the Tonight Show and had had mouth surgery. And uh, they asked him. Um, I think it was uh, uh, the guy who. Uh, I think it was David Letterman. I think it was David Letterman. Yeah, I think it was Letterman. You're right. Show. Yes. And, and he made some fun about his mouth, you know, what happened to his mouth. And he said, no, no, actually, I just have, and he's got a, he's, you can tell he's got some trauma inside his mouth. And he goes, no, I just, 
I had a mercury amalgam removed, and it it was the. I, I mean, I'm watching the show. It's it's live, and all of a sudden, it's a commercial. It wasn't like okay, we're coming back and the next person on. Boom! It's the show gone. It's we a, can't go there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it came back, they didn't talk about that anymore. It was like he was reprimanded if you don't talk about mercury on national TV or get your amalgam removed. And I'm sure he made the statement very innocently, but he's aware of how damaging mercury is. They right. wanted to get the mercury amalgam taken out, but they didn't want that at all. So there's more and more people um, that we're finding out that for years they've been doing certain things to enhance their health but that are non-conventional modalities. And, oh, big time. Yeah, and, and the thing is, the fear of speaking out, and we've seen it, too, with the Vaxxed movie. A lot of the folks, the doctors are coming to this event. There are a few that are willing to speak out, but they're afraid of getting wake-fielded. In fact, one of the physicians who saw the movie Vaxxed at, the Autism One, who's a friend of Ty Bollinger's. In fact, he took his family to see him, posted on his website that he's no longer vaccinating, and now he is under extreme assault by the uh, medical authorities in, in that state of Tennessee. Uh, so there is a genuine fear, but I, I think I would uh, fear my creator more than I would fear the government in doing what is right as opposed to doing what is expedient because you're afraid of the repercussions here. But that's a different perspective. Amen. Yeah. Now, in in terms of health and the and healing and, and these athletes, high level, not these high level government people don't always get it. They usually don't. And we're going to talk about one such case in just a moment. But Super Don, before we leave the Olympics behind, what is this uh, audio clip you want me to play? Uh, I mean, we've heard the national anthem before. Is this something different? Well, just just for a little fun here, these the, what we've got here is a cross section. No fun here. <laughs> What's that? Okay. Well, you know, what we'll we've, got super done. we've got a cross-section of Olympic athletes that have gone to the Olympics, and they approached them and said, hey, why don't you try singing the Olympic anthem? Oh, the Olympic anthem. you would anthem. think these guys have been, you know, their goal, all their, you know, for many years, they're going to get to the Olympics. You'd think they would know how to sing the Olympic anthem, right? Well, I don't know how to sing it, but do they? Well, here are a few of the Olympic athletes attempting to try and sing the Olympic anthem. Well, that is kind of funny. Oh, I understand that the Olympic anthem that they play every four years on the TV show. That, yeah, okay, I'm got. It. Oh, that was cute. That was actually kind of cute. So, there you go. Now that, that we've funny. indulged Super Don, we can leave the Olympics behind. <laughs> and no, that, that, look, Super Don's like the—he's the acapella singer among the three of us. He's the guy I would rather listen to singing than you or me, Doctor Batar. Well, as long as we didn't hear somebody trying to hum Jingle Bells there, I think we're okay. <laughs> okay. For one person there, they started doing the Imperial March from Star Wars. The Imperial Death March. I know that was classic. I was like, that was appropriate in some cases. Uh, of course, they were probably looking at a Zika mosquito when they did that. Uh, but uh, okay. All right. So Hillary Clinton. You talk about the ability to access all of the best of any kind of medicine. You know, they're not lacking for money and access and connections. Uh, our, fun, our friend John Rappaport has written a, a very good article here. Um, we have in the show notes, robertscottbell.com, media lie about Hillary's severe health condition, the rat poison problem. 
Now, I don't know if you remember this, Dr. Batar, but some years back she had some kind of uh, uh, injury to her head, a brain fall, a, a bleed, a hemorrhaging, something. And they put her, of course, on Coumadin, Warfarin, the rat poison. Now, she's having a lot of strange things, like looks apparently like seizure activity of some kind or uh, dystonia. She can't climb stairs suddenly, and it's just very strange as we're observing her. And there's a lot of speculation going on, but I want to ask you, what are the, what's the prognosis of keeping somebody on something like Coumadin for 5, 10 years? Well, um, there's a lot of implications. I mean... Um, I don't know because I've never followed anybody for that. I mean, anybody who comes to us, we start to look at other options and um, pretty much if, if they want to remain healthy, my my position is that they have to get off any drug and we find other methods of helping to get them off those drugs, as you know, Robert. So yes. I don't know what the implications of having somebody in Coumadin would be for 10 years or, or longer. Um, certainly there are many people that we have seen that have come in on those drugs for a long time, but they've got so many different problems, and you know you don't know, really know which one is causing what problem. So, for example, a person that comes in on a, uh, on, on a beta blocker, on um, um, let's say some type of NSAID for degenerative joints, uh, on Coumadin, and... Uh, uh, and steroids for, you know, inflammation, pain, etc. I mean, they, they've got so many implications. They've pretty much annihilated the entire system with just those four drugs. And, you know, so somebody would listening to the show may say, oh, my God, they're on those four drugs. But that's very common. And people come in with a list of, you know, 15, 20 drugs sometimes. So um, the more drugs the person's on, the worse it's going to be. Specifically, Coumadin, um, I don't know what... what well, we, we can... Be, I, I think we can make general... I don't even think they'd be assumptions because what do we know about Coumadin? It's also sold on the market as rat poison, and that's not us making a joke. I mean, it literally is that when you go to get rat poison, it's that drug in a concentrated form that causes rats to bleed out internally. And, of course, if you have a patient on Coumadin, do they not have to monitor dosage levels at all times? Because if it's too much, a patient could bleed out internally. And if it's not enough, if they're at risk for a hemorrhage or a clot, that could be problematic too. I mean, I think it's just a nightmare scenario. And thinking about that long term, it's got to be toxic to the liver. By definition, it's a poison. Yeah, exactly. Because the whole uh, mechanism of action of Coumadin, it's um, uh, working on the extrinsic pathway of clotting. Um, so the um, mechanism, as you said, it, it, the, the, you're wanting to, to anticoagulate the blood. That's why you prescribe to patients because they're clotting too much of the blood. is too viscous or too thick, and so they want to prevent clotting, so that's why they use it. But in higher doses, it's used as a, a rodent control for rats and, and mice as a poison, as you said, because it helps to bleed them. It makes them basically hemorrhage. And so when you're using something that in too much high extreme, or not high extreme, but in a higher dose will cause this extreme response of, hemor uh, of hemorrhage, then you have to be able to monitor the blood levels to make sure, okay, we're getting enough of an anticoagulant effect to be therapeutic, but we're not getting too much of an anticoagulant effect that's going to cause death, that's going to cause hemorrhage resulting in death. And so that is exactly how the drug is worked. And, and I'm glad you, you know, specified that this isn't like, we're just saying, oh, it's rat poison. It literally is the exact same drug. I mean, that, it's the it is the um, the active ingredient is exactly the same. It's, it's the exact same thing. So um, the implications on the 
liver, uh, on mm-hmm. the kidneys, and basically um, the, there's a PT, PTT. These are the two parameters that are monitored by uh, blood checks on a, on a regular basis. So when you're looking at those things, the anticoagulant effects of the body, um, you know, it's going to have a very, very significant impact on the liver and the kidneys from that perspective. Yeah. All right, stand by, Dr. Batar. we got more advanced medicine coming. By the way, Hillary Clinton is on a rodenticide. How does that make you feel? A rodenticide, Hillary Clinton, in the same sentence. All right, folks, look out for her health. We've got our health and your health to care for. Next, we'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, you can find more about Dr. Rasha Batar by going to Dr. Batar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R dot com, linked up in the notes, as well as his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Uh, Dr. Batar, you were talking about that interview, uh, uh, Tom Hanks on the Letterman show years ago, where he said, you know, I had my mercury amalgams removed. Suddenly they go to commercial, they come back, no mention of it whatsoever. Here's a story all those years later off of WebMD, and it's linked up. FDA says some skin products may contain mercury. Now, I'm, I would half expect them to say then you should put as much of that on you as you, as you can because their reaction to mercury in dental amalgams and mercury in vaccinations and mercury in light bulbs is like, yep, yeah, use it all you want. But when it comes to putting it on the skin, they actually acknowledge that mercury may be dangerous, may be dangerous, especially to pregnant women, nursing babies, and young children. So that's actually not the media reporting that, but that's the FDA saying that? Well, yeah, the FDA is reporting it, but this is reported on the WebMD website off of Health Day News. And I, I like you said, it just it, it turns my stomach when I see this. Not that it's not important to raise the alarm that, hey, there's mercury in a topical product, but good Lord, they acknowledge the danger to babies and young children and pregnant women, and they don't warn them against vaccines containing mercury like the flu shot? Yeah, well, this is... Um what, what do you call it? Conscious dissonance, I guess. It's, cognitive uh, dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I mean, this is—it's strange because the they're they're saying on one side this is dangerous, but then injecting it is okay. I mean, it's almost like a disconnect. It's almost like there is a um, synapse that mm-hmm. anything to do with mercury that synapse gets gets blocked. So actually, you know how mercury causes a denudation of the neurofibril, so it prevents the neurofibril from actually conducting the uh, action potential, the, uh, the electrical signal, if you will. It's almost like the word mercury or anything to do with word mercury when it comes to vaccine or amalgam causes the same inhibition of that thought process to register with these governmental people. Like, and I'm being a little facetious, but you know, you think about it. Mercury literally and physically causes the the impulse not to be conducted and so it's almost like the same thing here in this scenario that they just don't register it because even a first grade child a kindergarten kid you would say okay here's a poison and it causes this problem this problem this problem now you take this stuff and you put it to in this situation what is it going to do well the kid may not know but he's going to say it's going to be bad if it's bad here it's going to be bad here how can you mm-hmm. say it's bad here but it's not bad here so it defies logic. It doesn't even make any sense. You know, you said it makes your stomach turn. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't do that for me. I just sit here and laugh and say, are you serious? I mean, this is like more fantasy than a cartoon in front of, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. But, I mean, think about it. Step back and go, all right, FDA says mercury if placed topically on your skin might harm a, a pregnant woman, the baby, young children. But if it's injected in the guise of a vaccine, crickets. Just crickets. Yeah, and see, Robert, this isn't actually new, though, because look at the fish industry. They have talked about methyl mercury issues for the last probably 15 years. And that was my argument. In fact, when I testified in 2004 in front of Congress, so that's what, 12 years ago, that was one of the things that we brought up. Okay, mercury in fish is considered to be bad. But mercury uh, injected or um, installed in your fillings is not considered to be bad. And the argument that's been made is, well, you know, it's a different form of mercury. Well, mercury that's in amalgams, it's inorganic mercury. Okay, so that is the, what we talk about, the second most toxic substance known to man. And each amalgam is 49.5% uh, mercury by weight. So you've got this inorganic form of mercury. Now you add uh, uh, an organic component to it, like a methyl group, a phenyl group, or ethyl group. It makes it exponentially more damaging. So when you look at methylmercury, ethylmercury, and phenylmercury, the most toxic of them all is phenylmercury because exposure to phenylmercury within six months a person is going to be dead. Then you've got ethylmercury, which is thimerosal, and then you've got way down on the lower end is methylmercury, which is what's found in fish. So the fish, which is the least destructive of the organic forms of mercury, that's what everybody talks about, but they don't talk about the more toxic forms that are uh, in thimerosal, for example. So, again, mm -hmm. it's that cognitive dissonance you're talking about. And to me, it just doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's a, it's a joke. It doesn't turn my stomach. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, well, one of the things you can call a sick joke. But uh, we'll be yeah. back with some good information. We've got a question of the day coming in related to a form of cancer that affects the blood. And they, they specifically asked for Dr. Batar's perspective. So we're going to get that next and more. Check it out. Links are up. RobertScatbell.com. Constitution class coming up this weekend. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, back at you. I just noticed a really cool picture online, Dr. Batar, about vaccine ingredients. If they had to list them like they were nutritional ingredients in a dietary supplement, it's really cool. They list the vaccine ingredients, and uh, they list formaldehyde and tell you how many micrograms, aluminum, 5,700 micrograms, gelatin, urea, potassium phosphate, uh, human albumin, polysorbate 80, the uh, no two phenoxyethanol yeast protein monosodium L glutamate. I mean, this is really creative. I like the way people are throwing it out there. Going just like we we did that little piece on the FDA. Going, hey, look, mercury is not good when it's in on your skin. They're like, okay, how about in a syringe? You know, this is like throwing it back at them and showing how absurd they are for not seeing it. Yeah, it's it's. Um there was somebody that had talked from a historical perspective that when you make something sound really, really, really ridiculous, people are more likely to believe it because 
they think, well, nobody would think that way. So even today, right now, Robert, if you go out to a mall, you go to a restaurant, you go anywhere in a public uh, venue, and you ask people about mercury, they will say, yeah, it's bad for you. And then you say, well, what do you think about mercury in the, in the teeth? Everybody that I've ever talked to like this, people are amazed. They'll say, well, they don't use that anymore. That used to be. They don't do that. People don't realize that the silver fillings, the black fillings in the mouth, or dental amalgams have mercury in it. They think that's something that happened 15, 20, 50 years ago. They don't think that's still happening. Same thing with vaccines. When you tell them, oh, that used to be the issue, but they don't do that anymore. That is what the general public believes, because that's what the general public has been brainwashed to believe. And I don't remember who it was. Um, it's, it's an author that wrote a book called How to Kill 11 Million People. And he's actually talking about the Third Reich and how Hitler did what he did. Mm-hmm. But one of the techniques, uh, tactics that they used was the information that was put out was so absurd that nobody believed that it was true. They would just say, that's not true. So somebody would say, well, everybody knows mercury's bad, so it's just not true that they use it. Because they cannot consciously comprehend that something this ridiculous would actually happen. So people automatically, the brain rationalizes and says, well, that's absurd. Nobody does that. Yeah. This is what really what comes down to, well, mercury in the, in the cosmetics must be really bad because they're talking about it. But, of course, you know, nobody's going to use that in the... Right. And injections or, or in, the, in, in putting inside the teeth. Or why would they release genetically engineered mosquitoes if Zika wasn't really a problem? Or why would they spray with an illegal pesticide in Miami if Zika wasn't really a problem? I mean, this is the kind of consciousness we're dealing with, that they can't conceive the authorities would be as horrible as they are and as, and as stupid as they are. In, 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 I mean, I don't know if anybody's even trying to present them with this information like we are all the time. But... Man, do they fall for these lies. No, they do. And here's the thing. You know, if you stay focused on the mercury example for just a moment, in just within the last few years, they've brought in the mercury bulbs, which is under the pretense of being more energy-conscious and energy-conserving society, that that's why we're doing it. But again, how often does a person break a bulb? And bulbs are broken all over the place. And there are so many cases now of firemen and and other people that have, you know, gone into a burning building. With the, in fact, World Trade Center during 9/11 was a, it was a perfect example. But since then, even where the, they've got these strange abscesses and these strange wounds, and they can't figure out, they can't um, heal. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about what it is, but it was because of exposure to mercury from these light bulbs. Very I good point. Mercury light bulbs are being disposed of. So, I, I was you know, thinking about that because I just got back from an out-of-town trip, and uh, my son was so proud that he changed a light bulb. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Come on, he's way smart enough to do that, and he's been in that way for years. But no, he said, Dad, we didn't know, but the one light bulb that burned out in the pantry was a mercury bulb. And so he was very gingerly going about it. It hadn't broken. It just kind of it burned out. But he was like, I know what this bulb is. And, of course, he took care of it like a hazmat team would. And And yet... <laughs> You know, the people in these stores and the Home Depots, much less in these uh, fire issues where they're responding to fires, and these bulbs are blowing out because of the heat, and it's releasing mercury. And you're right to point out these strange abscesses and things that are happening. They're all mercury. And wow, is it it missed. Absolutely missed. Thank you, Al Gore. It's so ubiquitous. And here's the strange thing. You know, people like, you know, my kids and your kids that are aware, they, you know, like you said, he was, he gingerly... Uh, remove the bulb because he knew, but how many people, like you said, they don't know. And so look at the awareness of our next generation, Robert, and I'm, I'm proud of that fact that our kids know so much more and, and, and are more informed 
than we are. I, I was playing with Mercury when I was a kid, and I'm sure you did too, but my mm. kids would never do that. They would say, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> you know, so that awareness, I'm proud of the fact that our kids are so much more of an improvement and are so much more aware. Yeah. Um, I think you saw the little video that I, that I took of Rahan when he was only like eight or nine, when he was talking about the uh, whooping cough uh, vaccine. You know, that, that was, we showed it at one of the advanced medicine seminars. I think it was one that you were at mm -hmm. where he, he basically asked the question, why are these people giving these children the whooping cough vaccine? And I asked him these questions. I didn't even understand. I didn't even realize that he knew about a lot of this stuff because, you know, he's talking about what has dog kidneys and, you know, um, these weird things, these weird chemicals, and he couldn't pronounce pronounce the word formaldehyde, but he was talking about formaldehyde. And why are they doing this, Dad? So I'm thinking to myself, well, it's great that a child at nine years of age already understands that he knew that if somebody comes to him with a vaccine, he's mm -hmm. supposed to kick them in the pee, pee and say, "Stranger danger, stranger danger." <laughs> That is right. It is an appropriate response when they're threatening you with something like that. All right, uh, folks, we got from time to time questions of the day coming in. Uh, you can call us, leave a message, or when we're live on the air, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. Or you can leave a message right there, typing it in at the website, robertscottbell.com. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. <laughs> All right, this is ARC. Don't, don't know if you remember me. I'm Stephen H., Sarah H.'s husband. It's been a while since we wrote into the show, but I'm still listening to every single episode. Got a question for Dr. Batar and you as well if you feel inclined to comment. I never hear you guys talk too much about blood or immune cancers. Does the immune system play a role in battling blood cancer cells like it does in carcinomas? Uh, let's stop with that. That's a, that's a big loaded question right there. Pretty simple, but I think it's, a, it's worthwhile to respond. Yeah, I think it's a, it is a good question. So let's first distinguish when he said blood or immune cancers. All cancers are affecting the immune system. Actually, let me take that back. All cancers are a result of a damaged immune system. If your immune system is not damaged, you can't get cancer. If you have cancer, by definition, you have an immune system that's been damaged. So the immune system, there's no such thing as an immune cancer. It's all cancers are a result of a compromised immune system. Now, when you talk about the blood disgraces, like the lymphoma, like the um, leukemias and such, um, is that a fundamental flaw in the immune system as well, just like with carcinomas of solid tumors? And the answer is yes, because the immune system is monitoring anything that is abnormal, and that's where the immune system's response goes in. If there's something, uh, something wrong with the immune system or something that's foreign or something that's uh, shouldn't be in the body, the immune system will respond. When the immune system no longer can respond because of you know, toxicities or whatever else is causing the immune system to decrease its response, that's when the abnormal cell lines will start to propagate. And that's the same thing with um, any of the leukemias or the blood dysgrasia type tumors. Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that whether it's a solid tumor or it's a blood dysgrasia, it doesn't matter because it's an abnormality that we're dealing with, and the immune system's job is to monitor and be the first line of defense for those abnormal cells to be sequestered and then eliminated. And the immune system's role may be subtly different in different types of tumors and different types of cancers, but the immune system, by definition, is the forefront barrier to prevent the abnormal cells from propagating and then becoming a normal, yeah. uh, becoming an abnormal growth in the body that we call as cancer. Yeah, he says he's dealing with these uh, myeloma cells, and he's sensing that he really needs to help support his immune system, and he's right. 
Uh, and then he talks or asks the question about the microbiome playing a big role in bone marrow. Also, uh, what role does toxicity and nutrient deficiency play in this equation? Of course, it's, it's everything, of course. Uh, and right. uh, any particular angles on it that you have? Well, I, I would I would recommend that for for him he um, go to factsontoxicity.com and just watch the videos there. They're all free, and for anybody you know that just go watch those videos and then you understand how all these things interplay. But basically, all cancers, um, and not just cancer, but this is true with all chronic disease. It's all because of uh, oxidative damage, and these toxicities lead to accelerating that oxidative damage, whether it's cancer, heart disease, whatever it is. And then when you come specifically down to the cancer, um, why did cancer start at a certain point in the body? Well, it was one of two reasons. It's either, one, a toxic situation. There's some type of toxicity at that very point where the cancer started, or it's a vital nutrient deficiency at that very point, but most likely a combination of both occurring, which then causes that um, proliferative state to begin. So basically the body's... Uh, immune system is monitoring anything that is abnormal. The cells, in fact, each cell has its own monitoring system. And if it becomes abnormal in somewhere, there's a program called apoptosis. Apoptosis is self-programmed cell death. So um, the, the cells will kill themselves if there's something abnormal in order to preserve the whole. Well, in cancer, there's a suppression of apoptosis. So this program cell death, the suicide program that if something goes wrong with themselves, they eliminate themselves, there's a suppression in that. And so that can't, the cells won't kill themselves, and so now they're there, and they go into a rapid state of proliferation because they're trying to survive, and that's what's, what is cancer. So how does toxicity or nutrition uh, play into it? It's, it all starts it. It's a combination of both, in my opinion. It could be one or the other but in extreme cases, but usually it's a combination of both, and that causes that accelerative process. But the mechanism of action is all oxidative stress, and anything that increases oxidative stress is going to cause those types of changes to start. So, does that make sense, Robert? I did. Oh, I, I think it's you as my. Yeah, I got to use my filter to make sure that it made sense. So you be my filter and tell me if it made sense. If I need to clarify it, we no, we're there, and I think Stephen H is going to get this too because he listens every week, every day uh, to get that. And, and of course, the basics are the basics. Uh, dealing with the big C, if they call it that, still is still a frightening thing for a lot of folks. So we want to take care for your emotional state and the support that you should have in your family, the love that surrounds you. Uh, that's going to go a long way, also to restoring immunity. Well, that's that's part of the fifth toxicity. So you know, mm-hmm. when I when I made that uh, comment about doing the facts of toxicity, we talked about the seven toxicities and the fifth toxicity, which is what you're talking about, the emotional, psychological, and even the seventh one, the spiritual. These are very vital things. Sometimes people think of the tangible ones being more prevalent than the other ones, but you no, know, emotional, psychological is very, very key. Very good, very good. So check it out, factsontoxicity.com. We have it linked up as well, going out through the social media sites. we got one more segment on advanced medicine this week right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Get ready. It's going to be good. We'll be right back with it and Dr. Batar after this. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Okay, well, I want to do one Zika story with you, Dr. Batar, because I just, I've had it to hear, right, with the continual lies and, and ignorance in the mainstream media and their coverage of Zika. And this is a case out of Canada about a woman 
who supposedly contracted, as they're saying, Zeke, as if it's like a disease, right? We've detected the virus in the cerebrospinal fluid. And they say the mother was uh, traveling in the first trimester, and that's when they say she got it, okay? Now, according to Dr. Gregory Taylor, who heads the Public Health Agency of Canada, a total of 187 Canadians supposedly have contracted it. But even though the baby has this so-called virus or evidence of it, however they're deciding it, the baby is being monitored and there's no problem. Perfectly normal development. No, nothing's going on here. And this is the story among the vast majority of those who they claim have Zika. Nothing is happening. In fact, you know, in the, in the latest we saw, one out of nine, one out of nine cases of microcephaly had any evidence of the presence of Zika virus. Now, when you're looking for the cause of any given disease and you find this something in one out of nine of the people who are suffering from it, do you say, aha, we found the cause, or do you say, we've got to go back to the drawing board? Well, any logical person would say, we have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, well, so, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. What we're what we're doing here is... But we're dealing with people, again, that aren't following logic, because it's very, yeah. you know, the same argument as the mercury, right? I mean, it's bad on the skin, but, hey, it's okay to be injected or inhaled or uh, implanted Leap, in your teeth. So Leapfrogging logic. Absurdity. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so important. It's like raising our kids the way we have done, well, you've done it as well, where we want them to learn logic. We want them to uh, learn how to question and look and observe things from different angles and go, hmm, does that make sense or does it not? Am I being lied to? Am I being manipulated? And this is the thing. The entire medical establishment, with all of their education and training, should they not know better and see this for what it is and call it out? Because this is just the stupidest claim that they've ever made. It is. It's an absurd claim. Um, but, you know, at, at some point, Robert, we probably sound like broken records because we talk about the absurdity of so many of these things because it transcends. I mean, the use of pharmaceutical drugs, the use of uh, genetically modified foods, the use of, you know, mercury, some of the other toxins, the use mm-hmm. of what they've done with um, the HIV virus, what they've done with you know, the virus hunters that you talk about, how the CDC always approaches any type of outbreak. They always send two teams to eat. The, uh, um, to- the toxicology team and the infectious disease team. We always hear about the infectious disease team. We never hear about the toxicology team. So, you know, the, the interesting thing is at least the system, the, the playbook that they're using, they're very consistent. They just do absurd things over absurdity. And actually what we should be focusing in on is just making people realize the absurdity of what's going on so they can see it because... I think that's where half the battle is. If people realize that just because it sounds so absurd, don't think that they're not doing it. They're doing it. They're, and look for that absurdity because they are hiding behind the fact that people would say, ah, they wouldn't do that. That's, that doesn't make any sense. Now that doesn't even follow any logic. So, of course, you're wrong. Or, or what some of the people will think, they'll say, well, if what you're saying is true, then why aren't they using it in all the hospitals? You know, there must, not, there must be something, the reason that they're not using all, this, uh, all these techniques or all these therapies or all these modalities of treatment in the hospitals. And so I think people recognizing and realizing the absurdity and, and, the, and the absurd angles that are used, um, it's a very, very consistent pattern. Have you noticed that? I mean, everything from, from mm-hmm. foods, you know, to everything, they, it's the same pattern. They right. take it to the nth degree of absurdity, and then they know that people aren't going to believe it, and they just continue. Last bit of absurdity before we got to go here. I'm going to get a little political for folks. and. Uh, Dr. Bittar, you tell me if, if I'm on the right track. I think the absurd claim that Hillary Clinton is even in this race for the presidency 
is only there to convince you that it's a close race so that they can manipulate the vote through the old Diebold machines and reprogram them and everybody will go, well, it was plausible because the race was close. I don't think this race is close. I think Trump wins in a landslide, and that's what they want to avoid you believing because in that way they can manipulate it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, Robert. I think you hit that nail right in the head. So we'll explore that some more as things go on. But I just want to plant that seed for you all to think about it as the media continues to lie to you about everything, including the body politic. And for those of you who want the straight skinny, as it's called, the libertarian truth, we're going to get to it with Michael Badnarik this weekend in Mount Dora, Florida at the Lakeside Inn, pursuing life, liberty, and happiness together. The Constitution class linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Dr. Batar, always great to raise the roof on health, freedom, and healing liberty with you, my friend. Tell them what they need to know, please. That unequivocally, the power to heal is yours. Yes, it is. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.